0: This is a Sandy Way Productions podcast. Hey, everybody! Welcome to Why Is Everyone Yelling with Lindsay Hine. I am your host, Lindsay. Thank you so much for joining us today. Today on the podcast, my guest is Emily Tish Sussman, who is the creator and host of the award-winning podcast. I love getting to interview other podcasters. Her podcast is called She Pivots, a Tony-nominated producer. She's also a Marie Claire contributor and democratic political strategist and mother of three. She has a passion for amplifying women's voices and share stories of those who have successfully pivoted in their personal and professional lives, which is what she did after leaving her very fast-paced job as the VP of campaigns at the largest Democratic think tank in Washington, D.C. when she became a mother. A huge life shift for her, and she talks about that transition and what it was like. And we talk about how you can view motherhood differently than other people. And it's still a really beautiful thing. Emily's also very active in her own school board where her kids go to school. And I'm like always so curious, like if I have issues with the school or anything like that, like where do I even begin? And she gives us some tangible pieces of advice with that as well. Y'all, Emily has interviewed Kamala Harris, Brooke Shields. Priyanka Chopra, Sophia Bush, Allison Felix, who, by the way, Allison Felix is one of my dream guests to host a podcast with on my other podcast for runners. I'll have another. So if you're interested after this conversation, go check out her podcast. It's called She Pivots. Uh, all right, listen, today's sponsor is Hug, and this is the best bra ever. The best bra ever. These bras are not made from foam. So they really give you a really good shape and structure. And listen to this, you can wash them in the washer and dryer. You don't have to worry about not drying them. They don't have removable pad inserts, which is amazing. Those always get lost or like crinkled inside your bra and you you notice that like halfway through the day. Um, They have different lengths as well, so they have a longer option, which I love to wear under a really cute romper, really as the top. This is kind of a summer outfit. And they are truly the most comfortable bra I have ever worn so versatile. Definitely give them a try. This is a small woman-owned business and Jennifer, who is the co-founder and designer at Hug, she has been in the bra industry for over 20 years, so she knows what she's doing. Uh, go check it out. It's h u u g hug.co. That's hug with two u's and you can use the code LINDSEY15 for $15 off your purchase of $110 or more. And that's for first time shoppers. I love the Got Your Back racer bra because it's a little bit longer. You can kind of wear it as like a mini top under a romper and they have it in five different colorways. It is so cute. I actually have the lilac and the black and the white. (laughs) Love them so much. Go to hug. Dot co and use the code Lindsay, L-I-N-D-S, 15 for $15 off. That's H-U-U-G. All right, friends, if you enjoy the podcast, leave us a quick rating and review so others can find us and share it with your friends on social media. Thanks for being here and enjoy my conversation with Emily Tish Sussman. Hey, everybody, today on the podcast, we have Emily Tish Sussman on the show. Welcome to the show, Emily.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, I'm really excited to have you on and get to know your story a little bit more. You are a woman of many interests and you do a lot. So I listened to your podcast. She pivots this morning. Love it.
1: Oh, I'm so happy. I'm, which episode did you listen to? I,
0: I did Bobby Brown, and then um, I started Allison Felix as well.
1: Oh, Two very on brand good ones. Two yes. really good.
0: Ones. I mean, I'm I. Allison Felix has been a lifelong um, guest that I've wanted to have on since I started my other podcast for runners. So when I saw that, I was like, oh, I have to listen to this one.
1: You're like, yes, yes, yes. She well, she was great. Bobby Brown was a funny one. We did her in person, and she's very to the point. Like she's very yes. direct. And my three young, my kids are seven, five, and three, and they were like, well, if you're doing a podcast, we're coming. I was like, okay, my kids are, like, pretty well-behaved. I think I think they can handle it. So they took their tiny little – they have tiny little beach chairs, and they brought them, and they put them all in the front row. And Bobby looked out, and she was like, wait, are your kids staying? I was like, yeah, 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 they'll, they'll be fine, they'll be fine. And she was like – she rolled her eyes, She's like, no way. And then as soon as I went up on stage to introduce her, my three-year-old ran on stage to grab my leg, ran off, and then fell off the stage. And so starts crying hysterically as Bobby Brown is entering. And I was like, oh my God. And then I looked at my husband and I was like, take her out. Take her out. And he's like, oh, she doesn't want to go. I was like, well, I'm on stage. Like, I don't Like, I, I, this is definitely a you. I got to tell you. Oh
0: my gosh. This is hysterical because that is so like my life. But when I looked at your podcast and listened to a few episodes and whatnot, I'm like, oh, this is so professionally done. Like, I would have never guessed in a million years that you had a child run on a stage during that recording.
1: Oh, well, I really appreciate that. I mean, that's been a big <laughs> a big goal cool. to try to make it. You know, I started doing it, a, a, I think, a, a couple of years ago. I started doing podcasting in general yeah. in 2018, and especially when I launched this show. I thought um, it, it had to be really highly polished and like highly produced. I think also mm-hmm. because I came from such a professional career in political strategy and as a lawyer, like everything had to be, you know, you had to come correct. Like everything had to be like really polished and buttoned up. And so if I felt like if it felt real enough to me mm-hmm. to be a replacement for that, then it had to be really, really high quality, and professional looking. And and I actually think the trend in podcast has gone in a different direction. It's more like this. Like it's more conversational. But you know, I, I, it's a, it's a mental hurdle I can't get over.
0: I think there's, I think it's gone in both directions though, honestly, because those highly produced shows, like NPR-ish shows, are very desirable as well as shows like this. I, I will say because I started podcasting in 2016, like the bar then was so much lower than it was, even if you started in like 2018, because the resources were all there and there were a gazillion podcasts people had to choose from. So like, why am I going to choose a show with, you know, not great audio and not great content? Cause there's so many other choices. So, um, yeah, I think that there's a certain type of listener that likes those shows. Like you come in and you explain things. Like I love that you were like, let me give you some context here, popping in mid interview. Like that's so good.
1: Oh, good. Well, I hope so. I hope people like it. <laughs> <laughs> Something we've tended to more towards as we the show's evolved and we've gotten into more episodes and more seasons um, is giving a little more context for explaining why I booked guests, because I'm very intentional about why I book them. And a lot of thought is put into it specifically around making sure that to show a diversity about why people change their lives. So just to give a little context here, the premise of the show, She Pivots, is it, it came out of the fact that I had a 15-year career in political strategy, and I was doing very well in it. But then I had three kids in three years, and that will really throw you for a loop in any career. Um, and I just couldn't do my job. Like I, like, I physically couldn't do it anymore. It was a 24-7, like, always on, and the news cycle was pu- pulling up you know faster and faster and and without my career I didn't know who I was. Like, I just totally lost my identity. Mm-hmm. And so I really I really needed advice. And most of what was out in, like, the parenting work kind of world, it didn't really resonate with me. Like, it was about, like, work-life balance. And that implied to me that I would was consciously deciding to leave my career and spend more time with my kids. And that didn't resonate. I was like, but I'm mm-hmm. actually super resentful. And I don't connect with mm-hmm. babies. And there's three of them. And who am I, even, if I don't have this, like, professional stuff that I grinded for. And so I I wanted to put it out thinking that, like, maybe other people feel that way. But also, like, I really needed advice. And I didn't want to just have on people that – whose careers had been derail, derailed by having kids mm-hmm. because, like, I – I don't know, like, I think I needed to know that there was something even worse that could happen to someone. <laughs> Yeah, that's that <laughs> But the way that that's, I was like, oh, this feels terrible. But like, could it, it, could it, could it be worse? Um, but what that feeling turned into for me is making sure that we had a huge diversity of what I call like the intervening life event, like the thing that happens mm-hmm. that changes your perspective. And so now we're super intentional. We have almost no one on the show whose story is similar to mine. Where it's like, you know, having kids, like, because that's my story. So, you know, we have people on who, um, you know, the ones you mentioned, like Bobby, sold her business and sold her name and her identity and had to redefine success after that with a smaller business. In Allison Felix's case, it was having kids. But... You know, her profession was quite different from mine, like her profession, and yes. she ended up blowing up the industry with it. But we have on, you know, the woman who owns the largest crime scene cleanup business in the country, someone who escaped a cult, women who have come out as trans, like, it's a huge variety of reasons that somebody changes their perspective. Um, and so that became like a really important point to me.
0: I love it. I started the crime scene one, and then I thought <laughs> but when I read the, in, the um, description, I thought it was someone who started like um, a house cleaning service. <laughs> And I was like, oh, maybe I could start a house cleaning service because I'm just like, I'm an Enneagram 7, like, oh, maybe I could do that. Maybe. And, then I saw, and then I started listening. I was like, oh, I don't want to listen about crime scenes right now. <laughs> but it sounds like a really cool, like crazy idea that she had that really worked.
1: Yeah, I mean, she in some ways like the example exactly of what we're trying to demonstrate, like it's everything that you have done and have built to mm-hmm. that leads you to the success. Like it's not in spite of, it's not in spite of the fact that you did mm-hmm. this other thing, it's because of it. I mean, in her case, she was a police officer. She was an undercover yeah. narcotics officer and she was a police officer and she went to a murder scene and the mother of the murder victim asked when the police were going to come back and clean up the crime. Mm-hmm. And she was like, Well, we don't heartbreaking. She's like, we don't do that. In fact, I, I don't know who does that. And so she went and she built it herself. And she built it into the largest business crime scene cleanup business who in the pay, country.
0: Who pays for that though?
1: Mostly the insurance is from my okay. understanding with her. Is that she has okay. a lot of contracts with buildings, um, and and they pay her.
0: Okay, got it.
1: She's a lot of work in Florida, she told me, a lot of ODs.
0: Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. I, I cannot stop talking about this book, but have you read Demon Copperhead?
1: I cannot believe you have time to read.
0: <laughs> well, I spend too much time reading. My husband would say, <laughs> he's like he's like your morning time with the reading it goes on too long. Mm. Um, like this morning, I got I'll, I get up at like five and I'll read for like forty five minutes and then I'll go work out. Like yeah. and then I got, I got home from the gym at like seven forty five this morning because my kids don't go to school till nine.
1: Oh yeah, um, that does help.
0: Yeah, and my husband's home. You know, he works from home. So, and they're bigger now. My youngest is five. My oldest is 11. Um, so, anyway, I read a lot in the mornings. And then I'm the ki- I'm the person that always has a, my book with me. You know oh, what I mean? Oh, yeah, that's so good. So, if I can grab 10 minutes in the car or whatever, I will try to do the book instead of the phone kind of yeah, thing.
1: Yeah, I really respect that. I, I strive <laughs> for that. that it's is hard.
0: Gross. I don't always do it. Um, anyway, though, the book is very much... Um, about a community that has a lot of ODs and things like that. It is really sad, but it is so beautifully written. It won the Pulitzer, and I'm obsessed. So,
1: once I anyway. remember if I'm literate or not, it's st- still out for debate. I will yep. pick up that book. That'll be the first. You one pick it, I go it up. To. My
0: husband's listening to it on Audible, and um, it's a really good Audible one as well. So, anyway, um, let's talk about pivoting, though, because. I thought about this when I was, you know, listening to your your podcast and your story on other podcasts, and you know, you really did have this like really powerful career. When I pivoted, um, I I I worked for a nonprofit. I wouldn't say I was in love with my job. Um, I would say I was um, passionate about it, but. You know, I feel like when I had kids, I was kind of like, well, I could keep working, but I don't have to, and should I? You know, it it, it was this, like, strange... I didn't feel like I was leaving what I was, like, fully invested in like you did, right? But it was still a pivot. And now my youngest is going to go to kindergarten, and that's going to be another pivot. And then when they're all in high school and one goes... You know, it's just like there's just a constant cycle of change. How, How do you view that, and, like, what do you how do you look at these cycles in our lives
1: i think that that's i think it's the right question first of all that like they are cycles in our lives like we're not like our parents didn't necessarily think about their lives in this way right like they thought about mm-hmm. like no it's so different right so now so we're different. thinking about we're thinking about what have i gained like sometimes it's what have i lost and it's the opportunity to be able to maybe work full time for a period of years or you know whatever the thing may be but i also think that we're starting to think about what have i gained and mm-hmm. I, I love in the last few years, there's been this movement around, you know, LinkedIn had this big, like, you know, put motherhood on the resume. Like, I think that's incredibly important. Yes. What have I gained? I've gained management skills. What have I gained? I've gained multitasking. I've gained empathy. I've gained patience. I've gained a new network. Like, all of these things are things that we gain as we move through these different cycles. And so if we start to think about it that way, you know, I've, I've put together sort of like a, then we can we can build and we can build ourselves into something that is right for the next moment. Like maybe it wasn't right in the past. Maybe it's bigger, maybe it's smaller. But it feels more fulfilling in this mm-hmm. moment because it's a match to the amount of bandwidth that you have right now, to the amount of time you have right now. You know, you just reference like when your last kid will go off to school full time. That is a game changer. This is the first year mm-hmm. I've had it. My three-year-old's in school full time Oh, was your
0: youngest? Oh, oh, like he goes to like a preschool and then goes all day or whatever.
1: Yeah, and in fact, two weeks ago, I just switched her to this, the preschool that's at the same kid, the school that my kids are at. My my oh. other two, they're all in one elementary school. Like I feel like I like I have a new lease on life.
0: It's amazing. I have one. I have
1: one schedule. Yeah. I have one pick up and drop off time. One set of holiday gift instructions, which by the way nearly <laughs> killed me this year.
0: <laughs> I'm the worst. I I am so grateful for the class moms that that put all that together but I'm like it is actually easier for me if I just do my own gift for the teachers and I'm just like here's your gift card and I you know what I mean I don't know I just because then I don't have to track all the communication and I was just thinking about that actually after I dropped off my my five-year-old who's in pre-k I was like I'm the worst class parent like participating and and I think people think i'm I wouldn't be because I'm um like a part-time working from home mom situation here, but i I cannot swing it, so thank you but you know what like uh,
1: seriously, no, real, and like send me your venmo, please, like seriously thank you yeah I've recently had that revelation too, but you know what like you bring the skills that you bring i, yes. I, I I'm not good I, I can't. I can't do the decorating. Like I can't Mm-mm. keep it on my calendar. Like I just I am not creative like that also. I also don't love other people's kids, if we're going to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like don't love that either. Same. Um but I'm on the school board. Uh, yeah. So I That's so I the, we, you know, like I know that I I know that I have government I've been running the school's government affairs this year. Like I know that I have good management. Like I'm on the school board. So I do the macro level stuff and I, I there's one of the one of the parents on the on the school board is both on the board and the class parent. And am like, you are, oh. you have, that is two different skill sets.
0: That is dang. Um, can you tell me a little bit about being on the school board? Because I, I guess this is actually a great time to talk about this politics and this part of the conversation, because, um, it is really hard to feel like you can make a difference as like just a common person living their life, raising their kids. You know what I mean? um, And you, this has been your life's work. You have been politically involved your entire adult career. And now you just mentioned, I love that you mentioned this, like that's your skill set. You join the school board. Uh, Not class mom, Join the school board. But to, to me, joining the school board, I'm like, what would I do? I would feel like I would just sit in there and twiddle my thumbs and like not know how to have a voice. So can you give us some encouragement there on how we could get involved?
1: Yes. There's... Oh, I'm so glad you asked. There's so much. And first of all, going... I know my process now. And I said this mm-hmm. to everybody on the board and I had to this to the head of school when I joined. I said, I will probably not weigh in for about a year. It'll probably mm-hmm. take me about a year to figure out your process, your language, your calendar, and where there are vulnerabilities, and also what I can do, like what, where my skill set fits. And I don't weigh in when I don't have an opinion about something. So if they ask me about something that, you know, like my kids are so young, like I really don't know about the upper school. You know, like if they ask me a question about that, I'm like, right. I, I, I don't have an opinion here. And so I'm not going to weigh in. I don't just like make it yeah. up just to <laughs> have something to say.
0: Just to sound like you know what you're talking about. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like I don't weigh in if I don't if I don't know about it. And we got to about a year and it, it, it happened really on the calendar <laughs> than I thought it would. And I was like, okay, well now I do have an opinion. And I also, even within this context, like, I know my skill set, like, you know, earlier in the year, like, we really needed to shake up a culture of, kind um, sort of a passive culture of people not questioning. Mm. And I threw a giant bomb into the the, the culture and the, because and I don't care about that. Like, that is not something <laughs> I feel self, that's just, I mean, that's my personality. Like, it's not something that I feel self-conscious about. Um, and I said, well, I'm really not going to move forward until we can re-examine this process, and it opened up the conversation. It was tense. And I also, I can live with tension. You can. Um, yeah, that's okay for me. I can yeah. live with awkwardness and I can live, but like that's my personality. And mm-hmm. then once we, and so it kind of blew it up and it made it, 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 it gave a permission structure for people to start questioning other things. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I've been more withdrawn over the last couple of months because mm-hmm. we moved into a culture where questioning was accepted and encouraged. And so now other people are showing where they can shine and, you know, questioning and adding in on things that I don't know about. And I've been really busy launching the next season of my podcast. <laughs> so I've not been as engaged as I should be um, and switching my kids in schools in the middle of the year. But, um, but, but I But I feel okay about it. Like, I think that they would probably rather me be engaged at a high level all the time. But I also know that's not what I can do. I did the thing that I'm good at doing. Um, and now other people can do the thing that they're good at doing, so mm-hmm. i so I, you know, whether it's a school board or whether it's something else that you feel like i I can't live with I can't live with complaining, basically. so like if I start complaining about something, I'm like, well, then I gotta get in and change it. I have to do something. I have to do something, yeah,
0: yeah, I think I love that you said that though, like if I'm gonna complain about something, I'm gonna do something about it because that really gives you a mindset shift, like, okay, well, if I'm not gonna do anything about it. I'm going to stop wasting my energy talking about it. And other people's, nobody wants to hear you complain all the time. I think that we get scared because it feels so big to do to do something.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'd say the upside of complaining is that you might so- find solidarity. Like you might find, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you might find people who are equally as interested as you. Um, but yeah, then I would check it there and say, if I'm not going to do something about it, then then yeah. I should not waste any more energy on it. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Totally. Um,
0: what would you say about the pivot in your life, like when you did have your babies and you had to leave that very high, intense, time intense career in politics? Um, like, how did you get through that?
1: Not that well. I mean, yeah. it really was soul crushing for me. i yeah every like my whole identity was tied up in being very good at politics, and I was willing to sacrifice a lot to be really good to be really good at politics. Like, you know, I would physically push the limits. I would mentally push the limits. I moved. Um, You know, I lost personal connections just sort of by attrition, like by moving and and not maintaining connections. My first date with my husband almost didn't move forward because he brought a friend who was super argumentative and got into a fight with me about the issue I'd just been working on and I almost walked out. But I stayed and we ended up married and having three (laughs) kids. Um, But, you know, I'd really put a lot into it. And so to have that loss – and again, it wasn't like I was losing my career for something that felt worth it. It did not feel worth it because I did not have a connection to my kids Mm. as babies. Like I felt like people – I just kept waiting. I mean, I was miserable Mm. pregnant. And I just kept waiting for something to kick in. Everyone said, oh, you know, I had a, an, a, a baby. And, you know, people can judge me for this. That's fine. I, I didn't talk about this until I actually felt a connection to my kids because it was too – I was too mm-hmm. self-conscious about it. But, you know, people would say, oh, you know, like when I saw my baby for the first time my life had – meaning." like when I saw my baby, the first thing I thought was, thank God the contractions are over. Like that – <laughs> like I did not feel a connection. I felt like they were a giant – drain on my energy, my resources. I gained a lot of weight. And then, I mean, like over a hundred pounds. And Mm. then, which was also a result of being depressed. That's, I was inhibited so much in the thing that I felt really good at doing. And I felt like my purpose was to do. And then I had health problems as a result of that. So, you know, it, it, there, like, there was nothing for me to hold on to, basically. Like, it wasn't like I had, like, this life preserver of, like, well, this is so fun. Like, it, nothing about it was good. Um, the, the and real, the real kicker is that I had started this political podcast for exactly the people you're we talking about in 20, 2018 and 2019. It was, well, how do I make sense of this? Like, the thing that had actually frustrated me working in politics is that, so I worked in federal politics. I lived in Washington, which means, like, for the whole country. And everyone's so smart. And everyone's mm. so heady. There's the thing that is valued in Washington and federal politics is being smart and having mm-hmm. access to power and having and you know being able to like talk about like really smart things. The thing that's not valued is being able to make the information accessible, which because, we need, which is what we need. And that was always a real point of frustration for me. So that was the that was the thesis of the political podcast that I did in 2019 mm-hmm. and 2020. Um, and my show was doing okay. I mean, you know, I was like up against crooked media. You know, like I wasn't like blowing yeah. it out of the park. But I got an interview with Hillary Clinton. And it took me all nine months of my pregnancy to be able to schedule it. So They they cancel this, schedule They cancel this. Okay. I am nine and a half months pregnant. I am interviewing Hillary Clinton. The Friday – before the Iowa caucus is gonna be on Monday, the Democratic caucus. And in case anyone can remember 2020, I'm sure nobody can, because it was felt like so many years <laughs> ago. But, <laughs> but it's a crowded Democratic field. And Hillary Clinton says on my podcast, I don't think Bernie Sanders did enough to bring Democrats along in 2016 when he ran against me and that hurt me. And I was like, mm. oh, I think we have some news here. I think she just made some news. I break this, I break this interview in the New York Times. It ends up leading the news cycle. All weekend, going into the Iowa caucus, and I was like, "You know what? I did it. Like I wasn't sure if I could make it as a political podcaster. And I fucking did it. Like I did the thing. And I had a baby two weeks later. and oh my gosh. was editing episodes like while I was bringing the baby home. And I was like, so afraid because, you know, I live at the intersection of politics and media where if you're mm-hmm. if you're out, you're dead. Like nobody thinks about you if you're not relevant. Yeah. So I was nervous about going on maternity leave with my third kid anyway. And I was like, you know what? Like, I did the thing. I will stay relevant because this was so good. And then COVID hit.
0: Uh Uh-huh.
1: And I lost it all. Mm -hmm. It didn't matter what I had done up to that point because I couldn't stay with current information. I had no Mm -hmm. bandwidth. I had three kids that were crying all day long. Because yeah. they were thinking, "What happened to my life?" Like all I can do is tantrum and cry because I'm scared, mm-hmm. which I can now see in retrospect. But at the time, was just really frustrated, and I just felt so ill equipped for it. Like I didn't, I didn't have any like you know everyone was like, Instagramming all their crafts. They were like, "I don't cook anything, <laughs> I don't make anything." Like I have no crap. Like my kids would jump in puddles twice a day. That is what we did twice a mm-hmm. day. We did a mm-hmm. bird burial one day. That was a big activity. We found a dead bird. Um. But I felt like I worked so hard for this and it's gone. Mm -hmm. And you know, I actually even had sort of a resurgence of it recently that one of my close friends um, came to me over the summer and asked if I wanted to launch a Moms Demand Action chapter where we lived. We didn't have one. We live in a swing congressional district. And I was like, yeah, it sounds good. And the more we started getting into the planning, the harder it became for me, because I used to I worked on gun policy for like ten years. I ran the only campaign that defeated the NRA for like a decade. Mm. And to be in a position where my closest friends that I was launching this group with kept saying, "We're not experts. We're not experts. We're not And that's fair. They didn't want to they didn't want to get dragged into like, should we be arming teachers? because everyone started asking them. Which is fair. But I was like, you know what? I am an expert. I'm actually a mm-hmm. huge expert on this. And, the, and it, I don't fault my friends, but like the fact that we are close, but they know me in this life. Like they know me in my post-political mm-hmm. life and they didn't know that about me was really crushing to me. Yeah, Because it was acknowledging that it is gone, actually. Everything mm-hmm. I did before this is actually gone. Mm-hmm. That was really hard. And I, I struggled with like how close do I end up being to this, not my actual friends, but like this group of organizing, not because I don't think it's worthwhile, I think it's very worthwhile, I think I can't get over it. Mm-hmm. Like I can't get over being in a different position than I was before. So, it, you know, it still happens, like it's daily.
0: Yeah, I'm like, what is, is it like, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but is it like pride? like
1: Yeah, it was pride. You know, like, yes,
0: it's, that's so hard because you feel like this, it hasn't been because you talk about this, like all the things that you've done before, like build to what you're going to do now. But like, um, it's almost like it's stripped away because these people don't even know that side of you. And yes. And it's like something that was so hugely a part of you.
1: Yes. It was a huge part of me. And I, like, I was the person that took on the NRA and they, and I'm, and I'm close with these people, but Mm -hmm. it, it doesn't come up a lot now. You know, like Mm -hmm. it's just, it's a different phase of my life. And so I'm, I'm not angry at my friends, but it was, that part actually made it almost harder Mm -hmm. that, that the previous part of me is actually just totally dead. It's just totally gone. And I need, I need to figure out how to evolve it to now.
0: Yeah. How do you define yourself now in your career? motherhood, all the things.
1: I know. What a great question. Um, I think I'm the easiest to spot in the playground because I'm the mom with purple hair now. (laughs) I love that.
0: (laughs) Hey friends, are you looking for the best sleep ever? Well, you got to try out Lagoon pillows. They are so soft, so comfortable, and they are perfect for you because You fill out a two minute sleep quiz and they pair you up with the pillow that is just right for you. I'm obsessed with my Lagoon pillow. I have the Fox. It is just the right amount of comfort. Not too stiff, not too soft. And I don't know how I ever slept without it, honestly. Now between that and my earplugs and my eye mask and all the things I have to have just right for bedtime, I've just literally gone off the deep end. But if I could choose one of those things, it would be the pillow. Go to lagoonsleep.com slash Lindsay, L I N D S E Y, and go get yourself the best pillow ever. You deserve a good night's sleep. Lagoonsleep.com slash Lindsay, L I N D S E Y, and use the code Lindsay for 15% off your order. I know you're going to love it. All right, back to the show.
1: But I still have not answered how do I define myself, and I I I guess that's probably this this probably answers it. Yeah, that I don't, I don't totally know. You know, I love, I love she pivots as a podcast. I love interviewing women. I love creating a platform for you know some of them are well known, but some of them are not well known, and Mm -hmm. I love being able to to have a platform to to help women out. I love being able to make connections um between women who are thinking about what their next step is going to be or growing where they've been. Um and I'm doing that in every aspect of my life. You know, I've the podcast has been the biggest thing over the last couple of years. I think I really I really needed it like for my mm. identity and to know feel like if I can't do legislative change anymore, if that's unavailable to me, then I want to be working on culture change. And the piece being thinking about how we think about the interaction of the personal and professional and in our careers. Um, but I've expanded in other ways, too. Like, I've started investing in theater. I invest in women-owned companies. Um, we're now investing in sports. Yeah. So- tell me
0: about that. <laughs> I saw that you're co-owner of a women's soccer team. I'm like, how do you do that? That sounds so cool.
1: Yes. yeah, Yes. This has been the newest, the newest thing. It's really my sister for the most part, but um, I'm part of the ownership group. That's awesome. With them, um, my family has a long history in sports. My fam, my grandfather thirty years ago bought half of the New York Giants. So we've grown oh, wow. up with sports. Wow. Yeah, we've always. Gr- I'm, and I'm actually a horrible athlete, but we've grown <laughs> up. But we've grown up, you know, around the business of sports. And my sister actually has a huge background in it. My sister was the head of um, global marketing for Peloton when they grew the brand, when it was like, yeah, when it was like the brand no one heard of. My sister did all of that. And so she is a... I was going to
0: say, is that how you got Robin Arzon on your podcast?
1: (laughs) No, actually. It's not (laughs) how I got Robin. My sister pitched Robin for me and she said, when I have time. And then her publicist came back to us a year later and said, we want to launch her book with you. Nice, So not how we got her. Um... But so my sister was looking at different kind of opportunities, like different kind of sports investment opportunities. She stood up a sports VC fund and women's soccer is where it's at. And so she started that meeting with so different cool parts around the league. And they said, well, you guys are the Giants. Why don't you look at your own home home team? And so um we bought the controlling share of the New Jersey, New York, Gotham, who just won the championship.
0: Oh, wow. Congratulations.
1: Thank you. Three and a half days after we became owners of the team. So we obviously had a lot to do with it. <laughs>
0: you had a lot to do with that championship.
1: So Huge amount to do with it. But I mean, even in that case, you know, this was supposed to be generally a massive investment for all of us, but like definitely for my for me, like my sister is the one who's it was really supposed to be working on it. But when we arrived, we realized there were so many things that I have done that I can help with.
0: Yes. What goes into it, though? Like, what is your position as far as being part owner? Like, what do you do?
1: Well, I mean, I don't have a position with the team, and I shouldn't. They should, they should, yeah. they need their own staff. <laughs> they need their yeah. But, you know, a place where women's soccer has not been able to grow as much as they wanted to is in consumer media women's basketball has, for the most Mm -hmm. part, over the last couple of years. With the women going to the World Cup in soccer, they did a little bit. But it really hasn't broken out of sports media. Like, it really hasn't gotten into, like, women's magazines, podcasts, Mm -hmm. you know, just what we think of, like, traditionally as a consumer media. Um, And that is a place that I've been the last couple of years. So that's a place where, you know, maybe the team would have gone out and hired a, a publicist or a media consultant to give them strategy here like that's a place that I can actually really offer substantive advice strategy and even connections so you know it's a place that I've been happy to help
0: so how do you um, you know we talked about the pivot your huge career change raising kids um, like what do you see yourself doing once you have even more freedom from the kids like do you what, what do you dream of doing career wise
1: I'm really leaving it open like, I thought mm. that I would never get here. I mean, mm-hmm. one, I didn't think I would ever leave politics. But then even when I started the podcast, I didn't think – I started the podcast as 10 episodes. I was like, mm. I want to like do season. a – a season. Like a season. I was like, I want to yeah. do a capsule. I want to see if I like doing it. I want to see if I can book guests. I want to see if anybody listens. Like, <laughs> does this resonate? Yeah. So I definitely did not think that I would be in this place with the show. Um, even when I was in politics, I would always kind of keep the mindset of not being too, too focused on one specific thing, mm-hmm. um, but just being open to opportunity. And I mm-hmm. feel like that's how I – t- I take that mindset in with me now, whether it's to the podcast, whether it's a different kind. But, you know, it's hard to see me moving – totally moving off of this. Like, I, I want – I said, you know, I mentioned earlier that I think about my role now is culture change and Mm. building up these conversations about the intersection of personal and professional. And I think the only place we'll really get to real culture shift is if we can expand the conversation. So, you know, what is my goals now? I guess world domination. But short of that... you know, just being able to get these stories to, to as many women who are thinking about their lives differently, who are thinking about their context differently, um, and just being able to book really incredible guests, which we've been doing.
0: Yeah. I just like, I think about this a lot with motherhood and, and work because I have big dreams for my podcast and things like that as well. And it's like, I can't tell you how many times I've been like sitting in a dirty kitchen, like cleaning up, thinking like, what have I... Given up pursuing for this, you know, um, because I very well could have been like, we're going to put the kids in full time childcare and like I'm going to go head down hardcore at this, but I knew in my heart I wanted to be with my kids more than that would allow me to be, and so it's just like a really, it's hard, right? Like being a part time work from home mom, you feel like you're kind of like stuck in the middle always. And I don't know how to remedy that is that there's maybe there isn't a remedy. And maybe in 10 years, I'm going to be like, you know, you didn't see what you actually had, but I do see it. You know what I mean? Like, you know, everybody says like, oh, the days are long. The years are short. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. (laughs) I, I, I get those cheeks and I love on them and I'm obsessed with them and all the things. And I still deeply desire to be successful professionally. And it's really hard to, to do both well.
1: It is really hard. I feel like the best way that I've had to manage it is just to know that when I'm in something, I'm really in it. And this is also like knowing myself really well is that like I'm intense. So when I'm in something, I'm really in it. And then generally I overdo it. And I have to pull back on that thing, and I have to overcompensate <laughs> with the other thing. And, like, in this case, it's between work and my kids. So, you know, I re- we mentioned that I record most of my interviews in person. So I travel to do it. And mm-hmm. so I'll be gone for like two or three days at a time to pack in a bunch of interviews and do them in person. That's
0: and so my smart. kids start
1: and my kids start to panic. like they start mm-hmm. to freak out a little. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when i go when I go home at the end of it, I generally don't leave work there. Or if I do, I say I have to be able to get to it, you know, Monday when they're back in school. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But I try to give myself those – a little bit of barriers. And by the way, when I travel, I barely talk to my kids. I don't call them. I don't Mm -hmm. FaceTime them. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not there. And I – and my husband is in charge. And there's Mm -hmm. childcare. And that is fine. Like, Mm -hmm. they do not need me. Right. So it does – that – those boundaries really have allowed me to – for me, that's a much better model, like to be in the thing that I'm in. But mm-hmm. I do, but like w- when I'm trying to work at home, it's you know, like I end when I try to go pick them up at 2:45, and yeah. then there's a lot of after schools, and I'm like trying to like finish up a email from the side of the soccer court, like I did last night, and it's a disaster. <laughs>
0: like, <laughs> I know. Um, the last thing I want to cover with you, though, is is it we sweet? Yeah, women helping other women advance in their careers. I love that. Like. Tell me more.
1: Yeah. So it's an executive network that I belong to of female executives from all different kind of, um, you know, all different industries. They're very accomplished. um, And it's great. And everybody really comes with an attitude of helping one another. So people Mm. multiple times a day will put out, I need this kind of contractor. I need this kind of opportunity. I need this kind of introduction. Um, Or people will say, I have this coming up. Can you guys help promote it? And people really do help one another. It's wonderful.
0: Oh, that's so good. Um, have you heard mother- of Motherhood Untitled?
1: Oh, yeah. I've had her on. Neha oh. Roosh. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah she's um, a friend of mine.
0: I just like just started following her recently. I don't even know how I didn't know about her until now. But um, I feel like her messaging is very similar to what we've been talking about today.
1: Yeah. yeah. We we so Neha is a friend of mine. We have an okay. episode actually on last season. You can listen to us talk uh, through yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> I will. Recorded. Um, we came to it. So we talk about this a lot. That and she and I talk all the time. That we feel like we're coming at this same place, like the same feeling and the same evolution, and we're coming at it from two different perspectives. She's coming from the personal perspective about what this means to you, and I'm coming at it from the professional perspective, like what this means mm. to your career. And they're very complimentary. Yes. So it's actually, yes. Well, so it's in this um, like rising tides kind of, kind of idea that like we're actually not competitive. We're actually very yes. complimentary.
0: That is so true because um, I get a little self-conscious sometimes because if I'm talking to other moms and they say, oh, well, we both work full time. I'm like, oh, well, you know, like uh, my work is not important because it's part time or something. But I put that on myself. Like them saying that doesn't mean that they're like looking down on what I'm doing. I get this like self-conscious feeling like, oh, well, they think I just have all the free time in the world, you know. Um, but we put those um, stereotypes on ourselves, I think, more than anything. And I love that about her messaging. It does feel... Like she brings both sides and then the middle. I call myself a middle person here into it, you yeah. know?
1: And by the way, they might be looking down on you, but fuck them. <laughs> I love it. That's right. Like just care less, which that's I know right. is it's easier said than done, but like that's putting their own feelings on you. Like you are making choices that are good for you. Like at night when you are sitting there and you are going over your day in your head, you are the only one that lives with your decisions. Yeah. They do and- not. And so nobody else
0: really cares. No one cares. Nobody,
1: honestly, nobody cares. Nobody <laughs> really cares. Nobody cares what anybody else is doing. Like, everyone's uh-huh. just trying to get through it themselves. We're all just so, like stuck make in our deci- own life. Yeah, exactly. So just like make the decisions that are right for you, and like, who cares what the rest of them say?
0: All right, so friends, if you like this podcast, I think you'll like She Pivots the Podcast. Uh, we'll wrap up here with our end of podcast here. We've talked about careers and motherhood a lot in this episode, but what is something professionally or personally you'd like to do that you have not done yet?
1: Um, I do want to get, my show to the next level like I want to feel like it's had like a real cultural impact and changed the way that we think about the intersection of personal and professional and and I think I haven't gotten there yet and I don't think that I've been professionally in as a podcaster I don't think that I've been as accomplished as I did in my previous political career and these are my issues but I will be hung up on it until I do
0: you'll do it it's happening (laughs) Um, do you have a trip or a vacation or like a place you've been to with your family that, like your kids that you recommend checking out?
1: You know, I'm such a big proponent of taking kids to theater I love theater. It's been a big part of my life and I think a big part of my kind of emotional evolution, like figuring out how to vocalize empathy or different feelings. And my, again, my kids are young. like They're seven, five, and three. But I've started taking them to local theater and then I've started taking them to Broadway and they can handle it. And the, wow. the interesting conversations that have come out of that – have blown my mind. We recently saw How to Dance in Ohio, which is a show on Broadway about seven autistic young adults, and it's played by autistic actors. Wow. And the level of empathy that my children have been able to access and articulate based on that conversation. I mean, my seven-year-old was crying during the show out of empathy, and he turned to me and he goes, I don't know what's happening to my body. I can't stop crying because I'm sad for him. Oh. So I would just really say, like, theater and art can access conversations Mm -hmm. with your children that that we don't know how to do on our own.
0: Um, Okay. What is your last – well, you said you don't read books because I usually ask, what's the best, most recent book you've read? But do you have one?
1: I know. It's really hard. I did read one book for fun over, I think, this summer, and I really enjoyed it. And I can't even remember what it was. The thing that I will tell you that I access a lot is Grief is Love, um, Mm -hmm. a book by my friend Marissa Lee. Um, who talked about the grief in her own life and how she expresses it. It's been, you know, we are the sandwich generation. Like we are sandwiched mm-hmm. between taking care of our kids and our parents. And and everyone, you know, people are are experiencing tragedy in their lives. And so it comes up more and more often that I want to be able to show up for my friends. Um, and hopefully I I when that time comes for me, I will be able to express the way that I need my friends to show up for me. And so that is actually a book that I go to. Grief is Love is a book that I go to often for advice. Okay.
0: I love that. Um okay your last message to leave with our audience.
1: Everything you have done has built you to this moment. Like mm-hmm. it's not you are not great despite of the fact that you think that you had some career or experience or something that was a setback, it actually built you mm. to where you are now and to a different kind of success that you will be.
0: Emily, thank you so much.
1: Thank you.
0: All right, friends. Thanks so much for being here today. Thank you, Emily, for coming on the podcast. You all can check out her podcast. It's called She Pivots. And you can check out Emily on Instagram. Her podcast is She Pivots the Podcast. And her Instagram personally is mtsus. You can find me. I'm Lindsay Hine 626 on Instagram. Lindsay Hine on Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it. And learn more about this podcast and all the shows in our network at sandyboyproductions.com. If you are coming here for the Parenting Lifestyle Podcast and you're into running, you might also like my podcast for runners, which is called All Have Another. I've been having a lot of fun interviewing athletes from the Olympic Trials Marathon this past weekend. That has been fun to get those episodes out. We also have a podcast on our network called The Illuminate Podcast, which is hosted by Emmy Birch, and she talks to people who are doing really awesome work in the world, just really uplifting stories. Again, you can find all of that at sandyboyproductions.com, and my personal website is lindsayhine.com. Go get yourself the best bra ever, hug.co, H-U-U-G.co. Use the code lindsay15 for $15 off. And of course, you want to get the best sleep ever. Lagoonsleep.com slash Lindsay. Use the code Lindsay for 15% off your order. Thanks for being here. Thanks for supporting the podcast. And we will see you next week on Why Is Everyone Yelling?